0: morning, we are going to come to God's Word and maybe do things just a, a slightly bit different this morning as we would most normally pick a passage of Scripture and work our way through it. This morning, we are going to uh, look at an overriding concept and theme and a framework that we're going to build upon uh, this morning. And in the coming weeks, we are going to step, tiptoe our way back into the book of Mark. I know we've been saying that for a while. And uh, as we get back into the new building, and, or excuse me, we get back into the sanctuary and get back into um, our normal rhythms of Sunday mornings we'll get back into the book of Mark but just a few more weeks of things that are maybe heavy on my heart and this morning as we have watched the news and watched what's happening in Ukraine and with Russia I've just asked myself as I've sat at home just what what is the role of the believer in the midst of these things It seems so heavy and weighty to watch on TV war unfold in front of us. And so what is the underpinning for what we are called to do? How how do we pray? What does it look like? Are we even supposed to pray? What do we pray for? And so this morning, I, I just recognize that at times we have this wholesale inadequacy for what we are called to do. The, the bigness of the situations, the bigness of the problems, and at times it seems the smallness of who we are in Montgomery, Alabama, in my little home, to pray for such massive of things. And at times we come to God's Word and we want God's Word to speak and we want God's Word to tell us exactly what we're supposed to do, right? We have two jobs and we come to God's Word saying, Lord, would you, you know, Matthew chapter 48, would you just tell me in verse 15 that I'm supposed to do this job, right? Like, where, where is it right here? I'm supposed to do this. But what we see in God's Word is it does speak to us. It gives us basic frameworks and underpinnings by which we can live our lives and seek God's wisdom that would tell us where we're called to go, how we live according to His will. And so this morning, I want to help us with a, a biblical foundation and underpinning that would help us as we watch as wars unfold, as the nations rage upon nation, as storms billow around us that we would have. A, a good and biblical foundation for what it means for us to be calm and to be at peace and be steady and be people filled with prayerfulness in our lives. And so let me pray and just ask the Lord's help. Lord, we we pray this morning that we would respond with wisdom and clarity to what's happening in the world, recognizing that very first and foremost that I am not a geopolitical leader. Lord, I am a student of your word and I wanna live accordingly. So Lord, would you help us be wise stewards of everything that comes our way that we would live in light of the gospel and the clarity that you give through your word, that we would not live on just feeling and emotion, that we would live on truth, that we would undergird our decision-making on the, the foundations of what you've called us to, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. So we give you this time, Lord, would you open our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Recognize that years ago, many of you in this room took a a trip over to Ukraine, a mission trip to Ukraine, a medical mission trip to Ukraine to, to share the gospel through medical missions, and 320 people came to know the Lord on that trip to Ukraine from our church. As I begin to think about those 320 people who are now in Ukraine uh, with so many different things happening, I'm thankful for those 320 people, but at the same time, I am burdened for those that came to know the Lord, burdened for those in our own faith family who have relationships and connections there in Ukraine. So I'm asking the question today, this morning, what is my calling, Mark Bethay, as a believer and follower of Jesus in America, what am I called to do when the nations rage, when there is war around? And so first and foremost, we need to understand that prayer is not a passive posture. I recognize again this morning that you do not have an outline. It's because I didn't finish it again in time to have it printed because our printers are gone. So I am sorry again just for the next couple of weeks. Maybe bring you a little notepad because that's maybe the way it's going to be. All right. So apologies. One, prayer is not a passive posture. Prayer is not a passive posture. At times we get dinged for this as believers because we say, I'm praying for you. And it feels at times empty of all the things we want to be doing, how we want to fix problems ourselves. Right? For those of you that are fixers, we want to get in there and fix problems and issues. But at the very beginning of everything that we do is undergirded in prayer. Prayer is not a passive posture that we take. Prayer is not a prerequisite for inaction. Prayer is the prerequisite for action. Friends, we understand that prayer is not a passive, oh, I'll just pray about it. And that means I don't have to do anything for it. No, prayer is the undergirding foundation for everything that we are called to as believers. And and let me just take a moment to recognize what the Lord has called us and given us the freedom to do. That We, right here at First Baptist Church, Montgomery, Alabama, 36104 are giving the free access to come to the Lord, to pray about things happening all over the face of this planet. That you this morning do not have to go through an intermediary to pray for something that's going on in your life or happening all across the face of this planet. That this morning you don't have to give a tithe to the church before you can pray about something. That you don't have to come to me and say, Mark, I need you to lift up this prayer request because I can't seem to get it through. The joy that it is that you as a believer through Jesus have direct access to God is an absolute stunning marvel and one that I think we take for granted. That you and I as believers are called to and actually encouraged to bring the most massive scale of things right before the Lord. So we are called to pray for what is happening in Ukraine right now. And I do recognize how crazy that seems when you shut your little door to your office and you get on your knees and you begin to pray for what's happening far across the face of this planet. You feel very small, do you not? I know I do. But at the same time, that's how I feel when I pray about everything, right? You recognize who you are in the midst of the eternal grand scheme of things that you are so small. Yet, the Lord says, come on. We recognize this morning that the Lord is not simply sitting in Ukraine amongst those people, but he is absent from this room. We recognize that. That the Lord is not situated over in Ukraine. He's not situated in some far-off place. He's not situated over in China, and he's just there because the church is booming, so the Lord's in China, but he's not also here. The beauty of the Lord, that he is not bound by time and space. We recognize even this morning that God is not here at First Baptist Church, but he is absent of churches across Montgomery. We recognize that believers are gathered together here in Montgomery at some fantastic churches, worshiping and connecting to the Lord in a real way. This is the beautiful part of serving the Lord. And so this morning, we recognize that God does not tell us as believers to say, hey, you are here in America. And so what's happening is so far away that your prayers just simply don't have any merit for what's happening in Ukraine. Your prayers don't have any bearing on the souls of men far off and in powerful places. We recognize that God does not say you're only allowed or bound to pray for things that are near to you or you actually have personal connection to. Those are the only things that you're able to pray for. Of course not. We recognize, even this week as I was praying for Ukraine, the incredible gift that we have been given. That as I am on my knees praying for the leadership of countries far away, that I also have the privilege to pray for people like Vladimir Putin. The Lord would change his heart. I'm praying for our President of the United States. And in the same breath, I'm praying for my daughter who got hit in the face and had to go to the dentist this week. We recognize that that in the same breath that I'm praying for the worldly powers and the great and mighty things happening on a global scale, I'm also praying when my children have fevers and don't sleep through the night. You recognize the beauty in that, that the Lord says, come. You have access through Jesus that you can come and approach the throne of grace with confidence, not with the, oh, I don't think I'm deserving or worthy of this. Through Jesus, you are worthy to approach the throne of grace with confidence in who he is. And so you can bring him the most large and grandiose things. And we recognize that the prayers of righteous people availeth much. And so when you pray for stuff, when you you persevere in prayer, that you are availing much in your prayers with God's people. The apostles was called camel knees the apostles of Jesus was called camel knees because as he prayed day after day after day he spent so much time on his knees recognizing the power and the uniqueness of prayer that his knees began to be knobby like a camel and so when he would walk around people would say there's all camel knees again look here comes camel knees what a great compliment right To be called camel knees because you are constantly on your knees in prayer recognizing the vastness and the power that is inherent in your prayers. So friends, if you walk away with nothing else this morning, recognize that prayer is not a passive posture that you take as an excuse for inaction. Prayer is what we are called to do primarily for those that we may never see, touch, or help in a tangible way, we are called to be on our knees in prayer. Spending five years working at the Woman's Missionary Union and last week getting to reconnect with my uh, former boss, Sandy Wisdom Martin, I was reminded of every day during the week, we would gather together in one of the rooms of the WMU and we would pray for missionaries having birthdays. It's the same thing that we do here at the church. Before we start our day, as a staff, we get together at 8.30 and we pray for uh, missionaries having birthdays. And it was so neat working at WMU that we would get letters from our missionaries on the field talking about what happened on their birthdays. As God's people gathered all across the face of the planet would pray for our IMB missionaries having birthdays, they would record how on their birthday, as thousands of people were praying specifically for them, not bound by geographic location, but all across the face of the planet, they would see on their birthday, the day that thousands of people were praying, doors of the gospel opened, relationships reconciled opportunities that they never had before opened before them as God's people prayed in unison and in concert for the door of the gospel to be open. It was magnificent to hear story after story after story of God's people praying for missionaries all across the face of the planet. Friends, at times I I recognize my need to pray for my kids, but at times they're so overwhelming of all the needs in the world. And so at times when we feel like, I don't have much to pray for, recognize, look out your window and see the vastness of all that we get to pray for. Of all the world happenings and all the things happening even in our country, in our city, in our state, we are called to pray about everything at all times. And so let's just get some underpinnings here. Ephesians 6 would tell us, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications to that and keep alert with all pers- perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying at all times. The prayer list of our souls never runs dry. By the time we pray for our kids, by the time we pray for our grandkids, by the time we pray for our jobs, by the time we pray for our marriages, for ourselves, for our friends and our acquaintances, by the time we pray for our local leadership and our state leadership, by the time we pray for our schools, by the time we pray for... I mean, just keep the list going constantly in your heart, and you will not run dry of things to pray for. Prayer is not, friends, a passive posture that we take. So what do we pray for? In the midst of seasons like this when the nations rage, what do we pray for? I think we would turn ourselves to 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 through 4, which would tell us first of all then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. As Paul would write to Timothy and tell him to to pray for kings and all who are in high positions. You may be quick to say well Paul, you don't know what kind of kings and leaders are out there. we got some wicked people out here in the midst of the world, and it's kind of hard to pray for them. Recognize that Paul is writing in the midst of Nero's reign in his land, and so Nero was not this really great guy. Just go ahead and say it like it is, right? And so Paul is writing even in the midst of hard political leadership to pray for kings and all who are in high position. So first and foremost, we are called to pray for our leadership. Whether you voted for the leadership of our city, state, and nation, you are called to pray. Can I feel the conviction in my own soul that I am so quick to critique and judge and be angry and maddened and sickened to my heart rather than I am on my knees quickened to pray for our leadership? And so why then are we so quick to post our thoughts on Facebook that does so little good rather than get down on our knees that we recognize does good? So friends, we should be on our knees in prayer for the leaders of our country, leaders of our state, and the leaders of our city, and every leader in authority positions across our land. And when your your mouth gets ready to fire off frustrations, have you been quick to pray for their wisdom? And I recognize that I am no geopolitical leader. I don't know the answers to the world's problems, but I do know I am called as a minister of the gospel, but a believer in Jesus Christ, that I am called to my knees in prayer for these people who are making difficult decisions. And even this week, can I tell you, the conviction that God brought as I was at the gas pump, as I began to fill up my gas tank and the numbers just went higher and higher and higher and higher, there was that moment, like I'm sure you've had, where your heart was, what? angry frustrated saddened expletives surely not right not God's people frustrated and this week as I filled up my tank as it went higher and higher the Lord just broke me down and said have you prayed As that number goes higher and you've got about five minutes here watching that number get higher, you have a choice to make. Either you can get angry and bitter and you can grumble all the way or you can pray for those who are hurting far more than we are in this moment. Everything, friends, is an opportunity for us to either grumble and get bitter or pray and ask and bring the Lord's presence here. So first and foremost, we recognize that prayer is not a passive posture and we are praying for our leaders and those in authority and we are also praying for fellow believers who are right now in Ukraine who are worshiping. As you watch the news and you recognize that the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary is right there in the heart of Ukraine, as you pray for those 320 believers that came to faith through our church, as you pray for brothers and sisters who are in Ukraine worshiping, you are on your knees praying that the Lord would strengthen, would refine, would keep them and keep the light of the gospel strong in that country. We pray for our fellow believers and at times it's hard to think what are those fellow believers and at times they think they're so far away so But friends, we are on our knees just like if one of you were going through the ringer and going through a difficult, difficult season of darkness, we would be on our knees for you. These are our brothers and our sisters in the Big C Church. And so we are praying with active hearts, active souls, with with knees to the ground, praying for our brothers and sisters all across the face of this planet who are facing persecution on the daily. And we are also praying for those who seek to do evil. And of all things, this may be the most difficult thing to pray for. But at the same time, we see clearly in God's word that the Lord has called us to pray for evildoers, pray for those who are doing injustice. We are praying for evildoers. And when this feels hard, we recognize that the book of Psalms gives us a language. Psalm, like Psalm 37, 18, the Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are... We're not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they will have abundance, but the wicked will perish. And the enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures; they vanish. Like smoke, they will vanish away. Our most pertinent prayer is we are praying for the salvation. We're praying for salvation. Even though they may be our enemies, we are praying the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, but he is patient with those that all would reach repentance. And so we are praying on our knees, even when it feels like there may be no way, we are praying for their repentance. Maybe seasons like Pharaoh, that Pharaoh would harden his heart against the activity of the Lord. And we are praying that God's promises would ultimately be fulfilled. I've been praying that bullets would not hit their mark, that missiles would miss their mark, that gas tanks that tanks would run out of gas, that they would get stuck in mud, and the plans of evildoers would be muddied. So we pray, friends, for those that would do evil. So we know that prayer is not a passive posture, and we also recognize that even today, as the nations rage, and we watch TV and see the craziness that has happened in every level of government from everywhere in this world, we recognize that today God is firmly in control. God is firmly in control. That nothing that has happened is something that said, oh, what do we do? How are we gonna, how are we gonna face this? What are we supposed to do? How, how can we handle this? That God is in control. Let me read for us Colossians 1 as we kind of finish up this time. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 reminds us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. is the way that we have peace in our personal lives and the way that our world experiences peace It's because Jesus has made reconciliation on the cross. And the way that world leaders will stop their raging, the way that we will experience peace is when people come to know Jesus. You personally, the way that you experience peace in your life is when you know Jesus. Jesus. So this morning, we are praying, not passively, but actively for Jesus to invade the hearts of our enemies, for Jesus to invade the souls of those who are raging. That he would give believers all that they would need to share and show the gospel, that he would undergird them in strength and he would give those who do not yet know the Lord the open door to know him. Let's pray. Lord, we, we again recognize the the reality of what we face and what we're walking through. where we also recognize this morning that you are in control. We've got to recognize that you are firmly seated on your throne this morning. So when we are praying, we're, we're praying to you who sits high and lifted up, that you are not bound by our human constraints. We thank you for the privilege that it is to come to you in prayer to unload our hearts to you, our, our weaknesses, our struggles, our our desires, our wishes. We we recognize the joy and the access that we have through Jesus to you. So Lord, we don't want to take that for granted. We want to be on our knees constantly. We want to walk through life with prayer being the, the output of our souls. Whereas as we watch the news As we scroll our Twitters, Lord, I pray our hearts would be stirred towards prayerfulness, mindfulness of your activity in the world, that our hearts would be broken for the unbelievers who are are all across this world, but also across the street. I pray our hearts would be stirred towards activity and Desire to fellowship and connect and to lift up other believers who are around us and also across the planet. I pray that we would give, that we would go, that we would serve, that we would love, that we would care, that we would have compassionate hearts for those two million refugees who are fleeing their homes. Lord, teach us, show us, Lord, how we can go with you to love and care for people both across the street and around the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.